Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast about children's development from the Center for Inclusive Childcare. Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast of the Center for Inclusive Childcare. I'm Priscilla Weigel, the Executive Director, and I'm here today with two fantastic guests. We're going to talk today about early childhood special education and the partnership with childcare. And in order to do that, we have invited a guest from the St. Paul Public Schools, who is the an early childhood special education teacher. Her name is Kylie Hendrick, and she's going to tell us today about some of the things that she's found that really work well when setting up that partnership between childcare and special education. And then we also have one of our CICC coaches, Jackie Johnson. You've heard her with us before. And Jackie is a former special educator and also now a coach. So she's really here to kind of give the perspective of the childcare side of things and how we can really build a quality partnership. And I'm so glad you're both here with us today. Thank you so much for joining me. We're glad to be here. Yes, thanks for having us. So in our first part, this is going to be a part, uh, a three-part series, and um, because there's so much to cover and great tools and, and information. As we start this first part of our conversation, can we just talk a little bit about the system and the process of early childhood special ed- education? And sometimes I think um, child care professionals end up with a child that has a diagnosis and is receiving services, and that's all they know is, okay, this is how it starts. But there's a lot before that point that needs to happen. So Kylie, maybe do you want to start with the process a little bit and tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. Yeah, so all all children ages birth to five can be referred by anyone that has concerns with their development. Um, That could be parents, doctors, child care providers, and the referrals are made through Help Me Grow. And those referrals can be done online or um, by phone. And then all children who are found eligible birth to five can receive special education services. And those services are offered in the child's least restrictive environments, which oftentimes are those childcare settings that we're we're talking about today. Um, Anything else? Well, that's great. And I think, you know, help me grow. One of the key things that we always try to stress to the professionals caring for children in childcare settings is that they can make a referral if they have concerns. But we also want to stress that it's really important to partner with families if they're going to move to that step, because we know and you know, I'm sure you're going to have greater success long term if the family is aware of those same concerns and they probably have them as well. And so in instead of just kind of bypassing the the families we always encourage people to talk with families share their share their thoughts and concerns and then talk to the families about that process of referral um, so this will be really helpful to kind of know that next step um, and is there a time limit when the process starts that um, you know special education tries to follow as mo- much as possible yeah, so if the if the children are birth to three age, the the forty five day um, calendar timeline would be what they would follow to complete an evaluation. Once once parents have agreed to that evaluation, then it would be um, forty five calendar days that they would get the evaluation completed. And if the 
if the child is three to five years old, that evaluation would be completed within 30 school days. Okay. That's helpful. And I think what you stressed there was with parents' permission. And I think that's another thing that we try to talk about all the time in our work is the parents are driving this process. You know, it's, it's really, that's why the, the key to that successful follow-through is really that partnership. Um, so, you know, parents are the ones who have to sign off on whether or not this process begins and moves forward. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up, Priscilla, because the process often goes faster if parents are the ones who make the referral nice. because they, they are ultimately the ones who are going to sign off and um, really get things moving. So um, I think it is really important for um, child cares to discuss concerns with parents, um, you know, really have that conversation with them before moving forward. Definitely. Oh, that's a great thing to be bringing to the forefront here in this conversation. That's really helpful. And Jackie, not to put you on the spot, but I'm going to. Um, <laughs> can you share an example of that, you know, a process, a time when as a coach, you know, you were we were called in as that extra set of eyes to a provider who's like, you know, I feel like there's some red flags in development, but I need somebody else to kind of reinforce what I'm seeing and let me know if I'm on the right track and kind of how that process worked for you as a coach to steer someone down this path. Sure. I, I think you're right. Lots of times providers do have a sense that something is not going smoothly in a child's development and they sometimes just need to trust their instincts or, or and their experience to be able to say, how do I address this? Sometimes it's a matter of thinking through how to talk to, about those concerns with parents. Sometimes it's a matter of not really knowing where to go in terms of making a referral. So as a coach, sometimes it's really just reinforcing their knowledge and saying, I'm seeing the things you're talking about and also giving them that information. In your district, this is where you would call to make a referral. However, I always encourage them, have that conversation with the parents um, see if you can get them on board with making that referral, because as Kylie said, it's just going to go so much better for everyone involved. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Thank you for sharing that example too, Jackie. And so as we have many listeners who are child care professionals caring for children in their care, how do then the services end up at their site. I mean, that seems, they often see that part, but they don't know, as I said, that other process that's happening. So Kylie, do you want to touch on that a little bit about how those services all get set up? Yeah. Yeah. So once the evaluation um, is completed, re results are shared with parents. And then um, if parents, you know, want to move forward, um, a team member, a special education team member would contact the family to set up either an IFSP, that's the Individualized Family Service Plan, an IFSP meeting, or an IEP if the student's three to five, an Individualized Education Plan. So they would set up the meeting and they would also invite um, the child care providers to that meeting because we we always want their input in planning and um they're, they're oftentimes bringing a lot of information to maybe what the child is having difficulties with and um, goals and objectives are created at those meetings. So 
Kit, oh, Jackie, you had something you wanted to add to that? How, how did you know? I was just <laughs> going to say, I'm wondering if even before that IFSP or that IEP meeting, sometimes is the child care provider or the center or the home involved, even at the point of evaluation? Yes. Yep. Yep. Good point, Jackie. They um, oftentimes will get a release special educators, um, evaluation team members will get a release of inform- so that they can share information or get information from the child care centers um, to see how the child is functioning in that setting. And so, yep, they're often part of that whole evaluation process as well. That is one of the things that I sometimes see providers being a little bit confused about and I think it's it's understandable because if you haven't gone through the process before, either as a parent or as a provider, sometimes to be able to distinguish the difference between help me grow and then the evaluation. And sometimes they, they say, well, someone's coming in to do a screening. And I'm like, hmm, tell me more. Where is that person from? So it's, sometimes there's confusion on the part of the provider about the person who might be there to do an observation as part of the evaluation, or have we gone past that point and now we're here to observe in order to start service? There is often confusion on the part of the provider just because they are not familiar with the process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and another thing that came to mind as we as you were talking, Kylie, because you were bringing up the fact that you know, the provider could be included in this process because of the great information that they can share. However, let's say that this family has not been enrolled in a child care setting before, so they don't have an a active family child care or center-based care provider, and then they go through the evaluation process, and so they're bringing their child with the diagnosis and evaluation piece to a site that is brand new to this family. And so it's already existing. How can that child care professional get included or, or connected to the information on the IFSP and the IEP? Yeah. So the, the best way again is to touch base with the parent, you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of times the parents will have the case manager's phone number, email, their contact information. And, um, Oftentimes, if if someone from the school district hasn't reached out to um, the site yet, the parents will have that information. But we we often um, have the plan and will reach out to the site with that release from parents and um, connect with them to talk about what services are going to look like and um, what the what the next steps are to provide services in that setting. Okay, that's great. I think that the, what, what I'm hearing is like this key underlying theme is communication, 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 asking questions, you know, getting the information from the family to say, um, what do we need to be doing as the child care setting to really encourage the development and growth and then connecting that special educator reaching out and connecting. And so can you tell us a little bit more about 
the setting up the visits process and how that all looks. And I know we're in a pandemic right now, so it's kind of unique, um, which I'm sure it's been very challenging trying to do all of these things virtually in childcare settings. So maybe we'll just pretend for this podcast that there isn't a pandemic and how it's supposed to look like out without a pandemic and then maybe touch on a little bit about the virtual way you've been doing it too. Yeah, so uh, we would reach out to the child care center and find a time that best works to meet with the center director as well as the child care um, providers um, for the student and really go over um, you know, what our services look like um, and the, the needs of the student, and then also kind of talk about our framework that we follow. Um, and so that that's kind of, you know, in a, in a ideal world, yeah. <laughs> before pandemic, um, all of that's done in person. And it, it definitely has been a little trickier um, virtually. And um, but similar, similar way, reach out and get something set up to get everyone at a meeting before we're actually providing the services in there. Great. And then as far as setting up, so once you have that meeting, which I'm sure is really helpful for everyone because you're, you're able to all get on the same page and say, okay, what are the, the, you know, of course that child's in the center. The most important thing is to really help this child move forward in their development and, and, um, but setting up visits and things, is that something that's done then with the child care site? Or does the early childhood professional just need to say, this is what I've got on my schedule and this is how it can work? How does that work? Because I'm sure that's tricky. Yeah, scheduling and time is always, always tricky, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but we really try to talk about what what makes the most sense um, for the child and the child care providers as far as when would be the best time for us to come in and provide those services. So we really try to look at the priorities of um, the child care providers and what they would like to focus on for the child. Maybe when the child's having um, a harder time, they might want us in there to help plan, um, to help go over strategies, problem solve with them. So we really try to work closely with the child care centers and providers to find the best time to help support students in that setting. I bet that's really challenging because, <laughs> I mean, how, you know, you have multiple children on your caseload, you're going to multiple sites and settings, and then also being mindful of that necessity of that provider's needs, as you said, those tougher times that are really ideal for you to kind of be alongside them, partnering in that day-to-day -day saying, oh, I see what you described. This is what you described in our meeting. Wow, that would be tricky. Let's see what we can do to try to get um, better, you know, success being at the table during snack or group time and and, and then I think what we can do as CICC coaches, and I'm going to let Jackie jump in here, is we can help reinforce those um, important pieces too. And Jackie, do you want to just speak to that a little bit? Sure. I, I think that um, I think there's a combination of things that probably would dictate what a provider would say, like, what's the best time? Is mm -hmm. it the time when maybe they have most hands on deck? so that you can come 
into the site and they know that they um, can, you know, give you the, their time and attention? Is it the time that's hardest for the child? And therefore, that's the time I want you there. I think there's so many things that could impact that. I also think that they might have an idea of a good time, but then maybe as things get going, they might think to themselves, yikes, this is really not the best, or this is what's been happening. And I understand that it's difficult to make changes in that schedule, but I think the piece that would be important is to know, again, communication. Talk to that early childhood special education teacher and try to say, boy, this has really turned out to be a more challenging time. Is there anything we can do about it? Can we alternate different times or, or a different day? So I think those are the pieces that are important, but oftentimes I think people are might be uh, a little hesitant um, to bring that up because I said this was a good time and now I'm finding that it's not so much. So what does that do um, for right. the situation? Right. I think one other thing I was just going to say that, that might be a concern for providers is lots of times when the early childhood special ed, ed uh, staff person comes in, you know, they're the shiny new object in the room <laughs> and all the kids will want to, you know, come and run and, and talk to you or see what you have or sit on your lap or, and they might be, the provider might be working really hard to try to keep all the kids away because she's working with so-and-so and you can't be there right now. And can you talk a little bit about that, Kylie? Yeah. Um, a lot of times we actually want to just kind of come right in and be part of your daily routine and your classroom. Um, we want to, we really want to see that child in their everyday activities, in their natural environment, doing what they would typically do. And the newness of us usually wears off after a couple <laughs> of visits, but it's definitely there, Jackie. Um, we, we typically, um, want to structure the activities where other kids are included because that's what that student's day looks like. Um, so, you know, we might try to do a smaller group with a couple of students in the room and we're just another teacher in the room. Um, but we, like I said, it's, um, it's, it's really working within that routine with the rest of the children and the teachers um, during those visits that we focus on. That's nice. That's a great question, Jackie. I'm glad you brought that up because that, that adds a level of stress if they're trying to keep kids away when really, as you say, you want to see them in their, in their typical environment and, and how their day looks regularly. Well, and I'm excited because in our part two, we're going to talk about you know, how that partnership can be successful. So some of these other tips of ways to set things up, set the stage beforehand, and then also while you're there, helping the early childhood child care provider to really know what's going to work for you and also for them and having that communication. So I hope you two will come back and join us for part two. I so appreciate you being here. As I um, close off this part one, I wanted to also pose a social media question that you can respond to us as listeners on our social media. Um, how have you partnered with ECSE, Early Childhood Special Ed, in the past? We just are curious to know if there have been some of you listeners out there who have experienced some partnerships in this, in this way, and if so, how did that go? We were 
we're just looking for some, some feedback on that. So we'd be interested to hear from you. So thank you, Kylie and Jackie. I look forward to having you back again at um, our next podcast, part two on this series of early childhood special education and the partnership with childcare. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more resources, visit us at inclusivechildcare.org.